We're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I'm all I'm I'm also Mike. No, I'm Mike One. Also Mike <laughs> is on the line. Also, Mike reminded me that we're doing Oscar nomination predictions next mm-hmm. week. Yeah. That can't be true. Oh, it's happening. We got Globes, we got all the guilds this week. It's it is such a whirlwind. We got Sagmania coming up at the end of the week. Sagmania two. Yeah. Yeah, we got a special guest for that. You'll know who it is if you listen to our last year's Sagmania episode. If not, it'll be a nice surprise for you. But yeah, all right. We're setting the table. Like, it's actually Oscars time around these parts, around the MMO universe, and I guess Hollywood, less importantly. But in the MMO universe, it's Oscars time. So we have a, a chock-full show today recapping the Golden Globe Awards. We're going to talk about the DGAs. We're going to talk about SAGNOMs. It's just a loaded... It's just guilds and three-letter acronyms and just... <laughs> Letters industry, and numbers. Industry bodies that should be shamed as far as the eye can see. <laughs> and uh, a Golden Globes award show that we, we got to break down in terms of, like, the actual entertainment value of it. So that's like, that's cool, too. Like, I mean, there's something to review, I guess, right? Does Gerard Carmichael ever get asked back by any voting body, uh, any awards body? Look it. I, like you... We were both loved very him. high on him. Loved him. I rewatched the show since since uh, since last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just screwing around, rewatched it, and he was even funnier. He's so like I. I saw nothing, and like we're clearly in the minority, which is a comfortable spot for us, but <laughs> there was nothing on Twitter last night during the show. We're recording this on the 11th. You'll probably listen to it a day later, but there was nothing during Tuesday's broadcast. That wasn't negative that I saw. Everybody was hating on his jokes, thought they, the place was a dud. He wasn't landing anything. He wasn't funny. He wasn't funny. I was laughing my ass off at the audacity and the content. And look, I think he made some faux pas. And I wonder if people let that get the better of him. Because he comes out to a very inattentive room, we're sure, right? Yes. And he shushes everybody. He's like, quiet yes. down. Let's get a little quiet in here. Let's get a little quiet. And he said it over and over and over again. It was redundant. It, was, it wasn't a joke. He was like offended people weren't paying attention. Which, to me, seems like a stand-up comedian who's just hitting his stride, just hitting mm-hmm. his prime, right? And he needs that attentive room because he's finally like mastered crowd control. At his age, yeah. right? Early he's, 30s. He's used to, to playing a stage, and he, when he goes on stage, people are you know waiting for him, and they give him all his attention. So, obviously, in the in probably the most famously inattentive room in Hollywood history, the Golden Globes room, where everybody's drunk, they're not going to be paying attention. And, you know, with Brad Pitt schmoozing everybody that walks by every two seconds and right in front of you at the, the foot of the stage, I could see it being a little distracting for a first-time host, a guy who's never hosted a major award show that's never really, as, to my knowledge, hosted any kind of show that's like the Golden Globes. Yeah, he's a new, newly fresh bursting onto the scene, even though he's been around the com- comedy game for a while. Yeah, I could see why that why he took that approach. But he did he did come on, and after kind of an awkward, rocky start, he got into his groove his happy place, which is kind of quieting it down and building up to some big jokes. And he did it in such a way where, look, we've we've really wrestled with covering this award show over mm-hmm. the last few years. As for, many people for, have and should. For obvious reasons. Yeah. And 
he could not have said anything more perfect to get you and I into this awards show watching experience because he basically made it okay to laugh at the whole thing, right? And to, well, he had to two, enjoy he had it. two major points in his monologue. One is that he thinks that, you know, the film industry deserves to be celebrated, which is true, and it does a lot of good for that a lot of people. That he built there. He took him a while to get there. He, that was the that was the much latter <laughs> point. You're right. The, but he started off firstly by saying, I'm I'm here to take these white people's money. Yeah, which is <laughs> so hilarious. It was self-reflective. It was it was one of the you know one of these shots at himself. For I I I really love that. I really love that about his comedy in general, he, where he breaks, I, it, breaks it down. I was curious as to whether the HFPA would let Gerard Carmichael go gloves off, and they didn't meddle at all. I mean, you know, tip of the cap to them for not policing anything he said because he was taking shots at them, and they're well earned shots, like you just said. Left and right, right throughout the, you know, you know, I'm only, I'm his first words were, I'm here hosting because I'm black. And then he went into how the producer is black as well. And when the producer asked him to host, he's, he went into this long diatribe about, you know, Gerard, you're not only being asked to host because you're black, you're being asked to host because you're talented and charming, one of the greatest comedians of our generation. And he said, but then again, Steven, the producer is black. So what the hell does he know? Like, <laughs> good, just great delivery, great punchlines and taking it shot after shot after shot at the HFPA. And he covered the bases, though, because he's like Helen Huna, the uh, the you know the president of the HFPA. Mm-hmm. She wanted to bring me to all these meetings, and I've seen a trap. I, I can tell a trap, but I but I, I hear a about trap a trap. when I see a trap. <laughs> like she just wants to educate me on how much they've changed. And I, I look, I was gonna I was gonna take this job, assuming you haven't changed at all. And that that, that got me good. I mean, again, we're kind of we're reprising all of his jokes, but like, what are they he, gonna do? Fire me? Oh my god, <laughs> so I'm unfireable. Good. I'm the first class ho- black they host in seventy nine years. Host. <laughs> 79 years and they're gonna fire me i'm unfireable he i mean look it's that kind of stuff that was just in the face of the hfba and re- calling to the forefront these litany of issues right. that the hfba has had and he's you're right he made it okay and the part of the reason in my view anyway that he made it okay is because he had quite frankly for lack of a better term the the balls to go out there and say these things right. while taking the money from the organization he's saying these things about and was he perfect the rest of the way? Did he have one zinger after another? No, not necessarily. I, I would say he was about 70% on his jokes after that. Some of them were just awkward. And I'd be, I'll be i be honest with you. I don't think the room was in on all of his jokes. Like oh, you don't, do you? <laughs> <laughs> you think you don't think the, the deafening silence that followed a couple yeah. of his more out there jokes was like a, a cue that maybe he went a little too far in the Hollywood elite's eyes? Again, this is stuff that I, ate up personally right. but yeah it was I, I i had this back and forth with someone on twitter that was not comedy for that room that was comedy for like me and ricky gervais that was it <laughs> oscar pundits who have contempt for about half of the goings on and ricky gervais who's mm-hmm. got contempt for all correct. of the goings on correct <laughs> No, it, it, like it, like I said, he was probably preaching to this choir, yeah. which is why we liked it. Uh, otherwise, in terms of the show flow and the structure, I thought they did some interesting things. Number one, they kind of would tease the second presented category while they were presenting the first, which I yes, thought was, I like that, which was kind of cool. They had aggressive piano playing by Chloe Flower playing people so- off. He, uh, Carmichael addressed that and said it wasn't Chloe playing people off. And I like that he did this too, because he said, you know, people are coming for Chloe on Twitter. Oh, okay. It's not her playing people off. It's a track. 
So, I mean, he addressed that head on and there were people getting upset at this poor woman who's like, even if it was her playing these people off, she's literally only following orders. Michelle, like, what is she supposed to do? Michelle Yeoh was going to, you know, take her out to the parking Hilarious. lot afterwards. Hilarious, really Michelle Yeoh, yeah. Uh, we did have some long tributes, but I thought they landed. I thought the Ryan Murphy tribute was an incredible speech by him. I mean, Great just, speech, and also he's apparently just made every TV show the past decade. That's right. I, I, I thought it was 50%, but he's made every TV show. But he spoke to the kids and the youth of today, yes. and like like he wished somebody could have spoke to him when he was a mm-hmm. kid. And I, just, I ate that up because it was like, there's so many examples of LBGTQ plus people and performers that have you know, set the example that he wish he, he could have seen when he was a kid. And that is the, you know, the beacon and the shining light of his career right now. And it's just a really generous speech. Yeah, uh, I, I really much, very much enjoyed Ryan Murphy's speech. I'm with you. And then you got Tracy Morgan. And then for the second part, after the montage of the presentation of Eddie Murphy, you had Jamie Lee Curtis presenting him with a very funny monologue to, to, to open things up. And then Eddie Murphy comes out and he's very thankful and he's very brief <laughs> and, he, and he just says all the right things. And you think you're getting, okay, this is, you know, stay at home dad Eddie Murphy. Yep. And Michael, he, he he goes into this joke where he's like, I've been in show business for 46 years and in the movie business for 41. And there's a definitive blueprint to follow. <laughs> I want to speak. He's like, I also want to speak to the kids, right? Mm-hmm. Number one, there's three things. Number one, pay your taxes. <laughs> Number two, mind your business. And keep Will Smith's <laughs> wife's name out of your effing mouth. And when he said that, I spit out my Guinness because I, I yeah. look at by hour three, I'm pounding Guinness and <laughs> I giggled so hard. That got me so good. It was one of the good, the one of the, you know, the good stuff kind of belly laughs. So it, it was, was a great laugh. It would hit, was a hit on Twitter. I didn't register how it hit in the room. Uh, I don't know. Was there a big uproar? I don't remember. I, I couldn't hear it over the, the, the Guinness bleeping. spewing oh. out over my beard and Whatever happened. This was a very weird award show, not just because of all the issues we have with the HFPA, but like it's one of those that was, I don't know that it was paced well at all, but at least it was funny. It It felt very long. It went very long, but at least there were like genuine moments of high comedy. Eddie Murphy, Jennifer Coolidge, Regina Hall. At least there was funny stuff. And they gave people time to be funny and it didn't feel like overly scripted for the most part. Now there's some takeaways from that where it's, it's not good but we'll get into maybe a few of them but I, I don't have to you know show people up necessarily but a few times it didn't work but oh my god when when regina hall was breaking over the Great. kevin costner uh you know, having to have shelter, shelter in place in Santa Barbara. <laughs> Let's all pray. Yeah, it was great. It was hilarious stuff. Really funny and yeah, you're right. Twice. Twice Jennifer Coolidge just floored How floored me. has SNL not, I mean, my God, is there a more perfect fit right now? Because she was, she she had the room dying laughing for like five minutes when she presented the award, and she was going over the fact that she was wearing Crocs. She, it was good. great. Like that it was, was great. A, that was a great five minutes of stand up comedy, and then she goes up to accept the award. You think there's no way she's going to do it again, and then she's got Mike White, who's pro- like everybody probably has like a three drink just standard it's like not minimum, minimum yeah. not maximum <laughs> no it, it felt like it was a standard because they're like this is the golden Glo- golden globe right. we got in trouble we we're in a lot of trouble last time we we're in a lot of hot water i didn't feel like anybody was rock like shit housed but except mike white mike white was very drunk well he was kind of goofy but he got up there and he was able to just 
He was he able to together. get through it. Yeah, he put it together. It's a functional, but he was, you know, noticeably, yeah, noticeably drunk. <laughs> He's like what I think I am. I'm functional. <laughs> There was a great interview to interview spot Jennifer Coolidge backstage after she won her globe. I don't know who was interviewing her, but they were like, you're on this big platform now. You finally have this giant breakthrough after all these years. Is there any role now you're dying to play? And her, she thinks about it for like two seconds. And then she goes, I've always wanted to play a dolphin. <laughs> I fucking lost it. I fucking lost it. Uh, so, so this is another case where we laugh enough. And, and you and I, as movie critics... We are continuously forgiving of yes, funny movies that are absolute, not great. But isn't everybody? But this, I, mean, if, if, I understand. Look, even if Gerard Car- Carmichael wasn't your type of comedy, I find yeah. it hard to believe you didn't find your type of comedy at some point throughout the All night. right. Well, to answer your question, though, no. It, it, isn't everybody? <laughs> no, they're not forgiving. My guess is that I mean, we haven't really read the recaps or anything. Yeah, on the Globes. But my guess yeah, is that this is right. being roasted. No, this is you're being grilled. Right. This is not a Golden Globe show that's going to be like widely accepted and praised, no? I also didn't think... Uh, you're you're right on that. And also, I wouldn't th- have thought this show would be as loose as it was, hmm. knowing that this is the HFPA's last sand on broadcast TV. Right. But I thought they would have been more buttoned up and more zippered and presenting a more serious look because they're looking for their next home. You know what I mean? Whether that's streaming or whatever it's going to be. We know it's not going to be on NBC going forward. So, again, you know, anytime I say props to the HFPA this episode, know that it comes with the caveat of shame on the HFPA for the last, you know, 55, 75 years of bullshit. Yeah, you've bullshitted your way off of television, or at least off of NBC. (laughs) So let's discuss the winners for the 80th and final Golden Globes then, shall we? Yeah, let's get into it. All right, we can uh, we could talk. You, we don't want to talk about the the Shelley Miscavige joke. Or we oh yeah, that? no, no you, okay, that was a good joke too, Mike. Listen, there's no one singular joke that's gotten more replay since the broadcast last night than Gerard Carmichael coming back from commercial. Holding three Golden Globe trophies, mm-hmm. and he's fumbling through this joke about, oh, I found the three Golden Globe trophies that Tom Cruise gave returned, and, you know, I, I don't know what to do with them, and blah, blah, blah. And at the end, he just slips in. How about we exchange the awards for the safe return of Shelley Miscavige, mm-hmm. who's the long-disappeared and non-found yeah. wife of David Miscavige, the leader of the Church of Scientology. My jo- I had no idea what award was being presented. I could not believe <laughs> the audacity of that young man. To And it went over like a wet fart in church. Nobody laughed, but the, the air was sucked out of the room because of... I mean, to say that in front of that room... Half of whom are probably in the Church of Scientology. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and then he, they got two people coming out from Top Gun who don't know <laughs> Glenn <laughs> Powell. <laughs> and then they're like doing this sticky shtick, you know, for, hey, Tom Cruise made us, you know, fly in planes and it was scary. Right. And they got this kind of innocent shtick. And this guy's like, I had to wear a diaper. <laughs> And then, but they don't know how to zing it because Jared Carmichael just completely. Oh, you know, he sabotages shit out of, that, out of that bit. But hey, it was worth it because we were pooping ourselves. As long as, as long as we were entertained, that's what matters. Yeah, we needed adult diapers after that joke. Right. Yes, uh, let's get. But into in it. terms, 
Yeah. Uh, but in terms of the, you know, the, the overall winners display, I guess we should, st- let's just start with like the big ones. Best picture. We'll kind of work our way down. Yeah. So best picture drama it, it was between Avatar, Elvis, Fableman's Tar and Top Gun. Quentin Tarantino came out at the end of the night and he gave the final award of the night. Best picture drama. It did go to the Fableman's. This followed Steven Spielberg winning uh, best director as well. So it was less of a shock. I think. What did we think about the Fableman's winning the big prize of the night here? Well, I got DMs last night where, oh, is the Fableman's the new front runner? <laughs> like, no. We had we had the Fableman's <laughs> as the front runner from like TIFF Not us, going into Vegas. TIFF. Yeah. <laughs> Vegas. The front runner from then until just like a Two week weeks, ago. Yeah. <laughs> like I look, I, I think it's important to know, and I tweeted this out as well. The disdain for the Fablemans kind of reared its head and had its fullest mm. force towards the end of Golden Globes voting. I have no idea if that plays any factor. I just do think it's worth mentioning. But yeah, now, again, the voting body for the Globes is always, is still, and has always been radically different than the voting body for the Academy. But this is at least a feather in the cap of Spielberg and the Fablemans going forward for, oh, it is. for a movie that I think a lot of people thought was maybe third at best at this point. It definitely is is a help to the Fableman. So let's be honest. I mean, this is the the, the no shit Sherlock yeah, statement right. of the decade. If you win an award on a broadcast right. television award show, it's going to help your candidacy overall. So anybody who just says it doesn't mean anything because the cross, that's not true either. We're going to go over the stats in a minute. It matters that the Fableman's won this thing. However. I still think Best Picture is going to be wide open. I don't think Everything Everywhere All at Once is out. I don't think Top Gun is out necessarily because it wasn't I – mean, when you actually look back at it, and I'm kicking myself for picking Top Gun, Tom Cruise gave back his three Golden Globes. Yeah. This body was never going to pick Top Gun Maverick. I, never. I also I'm an wonder idiot. if it's difficult to vote for Top Gun Maverick at this type of award show because you can't – if you're voting Top Gun Maverick to win Best Picture, not to like be all in the camp of how Top Gun Maverick still has life, but if you're voting on the Golden Globes, you, you kind of have to justify to yourself, I'm okay just voting Top Gun Maverick as my Best Picture winner. Because you can't vote for it down the card like you right. can at the Oscars. So that's got to be right. a tough draw, and I'm putting myself and in the t- voter's head, so who knows. But And look, it, Top Gun Maverick's path has always been stunt ensemble Tex. at SAG, yeah. PGA, mm-hmm. PGA winner, DGA got nominated. Yep. We're going to talk about Kaczynski. I mean, if WGA gets nominated, it, it's got to go through the guilds. And it, like you said, it's got to win a couple of techs. Yep. And it, it is on pace to win sound. It is on pace to win cinematography and editing. Probably those three. And we'll see if it takes all three or not. And then, you know, we, we got to see a Cruz show up at some point. Maybe he won't. Uh, I would say for for. for to feel well, good about Top Gun Maverick. Sag, best Sag certainly told us that fifth actor slot right. is still wide open. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. But look, at, I think I think this was kind of a down-the-middle pick from this body it of makes mostly sense. old people. If you want to vote for Steven Spielberg then for director, why wouldn't you vote for him? Again, it's one of those things, it's tough to justify, I'm only going to vote Spielberg for director. Now, maybe right. that's easier to swallow if you're an Academy voter and you want to give Spielberg his, his day because it's been a couple decades. But, like, yeah, if you're going to vote Spielberg director, it makes sense you can vote Vableman's for Best Picture Drama here. And we, we read, you know, Hollywood Reporter came out with a big piece on the Golden Globes to kind of set the stage, and we read about the fact that they added like a hundred new voters mm-hmm. to this award show. Now they, they went from like 90 something members, they kicked 20 out and they added 20 more, right. Like that, for yeah. their normal HFPA membership, the salaried members. But then they basically invited 
international press to apply to get the vote. And these international press are the Fiprevsky people, yep. the good people that actually vote for like Cannes Awards and Venice Awards and wherever Fiprevsky is is voting, etc. Uh, at film festivals and at the on the film festival circuit, and these folks have had a very Oscary taste in the past. So the Fablemans is kind of that down the middle Oscary movie that we've said, you know, feels good justification like justification by you. Yeah, I like right. all that. that makes so sense. I, it, in retrospect, I wish. I kind of saw this going in in terms of our goofy predictions, which we did not do well on. Well, I didn't, didn't tally well. I, I wasn't, you know, I'm not going to do well on the Oscar ones either. <laughs> well, we did okay. I mean, I did okay. You did okay in certain spots. You picked a couple. I picked a yeah. couple anyway. But combined, we were respectable. Like, that's just the Mike, Mike, and Oscar. <laughs> guarantee. Combined <laughs> between the two of Yeah, it's the Mike, Mike, and Oscar guarantee. Between the two of our <laughs> nonsense. You'll have moments of respectability. You'll have moments of respectability. All right. In terms of the stats, though, for Best Picture Drama at the Globes, uh, the nomination crossover is very strong. Only four times in history has a Best Globe Drama winner not been nominated for Best Picture. So this is no surprise. Fableman's going to get nominated. In terms of the winner crossover, it's a clean 50%, 39 out of 78. So that tells us nothing for the Go on to win the Best Picture, you mean? Yes. I got you. The Fablemans, I think, m- maybe needed this win. It's like it's, it's a really good yes. thing to have, but I don't know that it is also going to do anything because it's still, I mean, even the worst it's been in the Vegas odds has been third place and not by much. So it's, you know, it's this, everything er- everywhere all at once, Banshees, which we can go into Best Picture Comedy and Musical, and Banshees does beat out everything everywhere all at once. Not mm. all that surprising. It's a very <laughs> European voting body. <laughs> Yeah, we picked it, and we picked it because they had eight noms going in on the day. So it's not a surprise that Banshees, you know, took home three wins at the Globes and took home this particular category. So everything, everywhere, all at once, fans, don't be dismayed. This does not mean anything for you. Coda did not win last year. I don't believe it was even nominated, nominated, right? So, so we have uh, we have track records galore that this doesn't necessarily translate to Oscar, and the stats kind of prove the point i mean the the best picture comedy or musical winners have only been nominated at oscar 62 percent of the time and then only nine out of the last 58 have gone on to win which is only 15.5 percent so look this is not a strong crossover let's not let's not put banshees of inner sharon in the winner's circle at oscar's best picture just yet no though banshees did have you know quite the uh, successful globes day but again it just makes sense with the voting body that hfpa is now comprised of like you already went over uh we can talk about some sag ensemble nominations here how did those break down when they came out today babylon the banshees of inner sharon everything everywhere all at once the fablemans and yes Women Talking, those are your five for SAG Ensemble. Now, we're going to do SAG Mania this weekend, but we, we want to give you guys a little bit of a clip on this. What's out is Woman King, Elvis, Glass Onion, Top Gun, Maverick, She Said, IndieWire, Variety, the predictions I was seeing, Gold Derby, kind of had those five in terms of snubs. I don't, I, I mean, look, I'm happy Babylon's there because I enjoyed it greatly. I'm happy Woman Talking is there, but how do you justify having those two make the SAG Ensemble round, but you don't give any of the individual performances any noms? We've seen this before. I wish I had more time, and I will I promise you I'll do more research for the weekend. Uh, but we, we have seen the ensembles get picked without any of the individuals picked, at SAG in particular. We, and I, th- I feel like we've said this before. As I well. don't like it. 
<laughs> Black Panther had no individuals nominated, but Black Panther Ensemble won, right? I mean, it goes back. That's just one that jumped out to me. Yeah. Anyway, I believe it's happened many a times before. However, we'll, I will confirm that for Sagmania 2. Uh, I, I, am, uh, I, I do want to tease this fact. I think women talking might be in for a comeback, and I'm hoping so, even though I'm worried about the individuals. It's had a rough couple but, of days. Best Picture, to me, got even more wide opener or wide open. No, we can stick with wide opener. You said it. We have gotten <laughs> a race for those last few spots. I mean, we are hard 10. This would probably be an eight selection yeah. year if we were going by the old Best Picture rules. But because we got a hard 10, this could be a number of films. And I think the PGA is going to make it even crazier so we got a lot of talk to talk about this weekend michael and look international feature did not help no. to crystallize to crystallize best picture for us at all no golden globes meaning everything and nothing like we kind of joke about with a couple of these precursors but yeah international film not the golden globes it went to surely either all quiet on the west in front of decision to leave right maybe rrr <laughs> nah argentina 1985 is the winner of the uh, golden globe international feature selection all right, so before you say Argentina 1985 is now the front runner, just understand the crossover stats. Only 37.5% international features at the Globes carry over to Oscars. So that's not a great stat. But look at, I mean, this is the biggest surprise of the night for me. Not because Argentina 90, 1985 is not good. I reviewed it very well on our show a couple weeks back. But Michael, we had All Quiet on the Western Front just lead the BAFTA long list process with 15 long lists and we figured that all quiet on the western front was really having a strong best pictures case and whenever we've had an international feature have a best picture case it was the runaway roma parasite yeah etc etc it was the runaway in its international film category and all quiet on the western front is not running away with anything it's not winning the critics scoreboard it's not winning the globe is it going to win critics choice it's nominated there it could is it going to win the BAFTA? You're just making I mean, the case to have it nominated for Best Picture, but not win, though, aren't you? No, <laughs> it but makes this nomination, but it doesn't. It doesn't win anything. I get. I get Look, the point you're making. It, it's, it has. It happened. needs a track Don't record get me of wrong. success, and it's not happening. It yet. has happened, but when you go back through the annals, the annals, <laughs> the annals. or annals, <laughs> but definitely the annals. If you go <laughs> you back go through, through the, the assholes, if you go through the annals, <laughs> Amor, Roma, Parasite. It, it basically, and those, those are just recent examples. You need to win the international film category, or there used to be best foreign language film category, and be a runaway therein to get that best picture nom. Obviously, the rules were different. We'll see what happens. All quiet on the Western Front. I'm just, it's a strange case. I'll just be honest with you. It's a strange case. It's even stranger that RRR won a separate Golden Globe on the night. So RRR. Doesn't win international film, but it still wins original song, including totally me. Separate category. Including yeah. me picking it for international film here. It, it, that's a bummer. Decision to leave and and all. Uh, excuse me. Decision to leave and RRR leading the critics awards scoreboard right now, Michael. Yeah, and it did not take this one. Close did very well on the uh, film festival circuit. Close is uh, you know the favorite film of many people on the year. Many people that we respect. Does not win it here. So look at Argentina 1985, strong grade for me. Really one of the better lawyer movies, at least to a layperson like me. I'd be curious for you to see yeah, it. Check it out. It's on Amazon. Yeah, you'd have to check it out on Amazon Prime there. Uh, I'd be curious to, th to know your opinion on it. 
I thought it was one of the better lawyer movies in a while, but what the hell? What the hell do I know? <laughs> but he's black too, so what the hell does he know? Uh, <laughs> Gerard, Car- he killed me. Great. I want you, Gerard Carmichael. If nothing else, should host this podcast. That's he's got my he, seal of approval for that. Yes, he could. He could. Uh, he could moonlight as a Mike Mike and Oscar host. I agree. <laughs> uh, the director we already touched on at the Golden Globes. It did end up going to Steven Spielberg. Uh, good pop. A lot of people were happy about that. I'm uh, mad at myself for switching to Boz. I should have stuck with Spielberg because it was, I mean, after it happens, it seems so obvious. Yeah, I hedge my bet with Spielberg here. In terms of the Globe, Globe stats, uh, Globe winners and director, they only a few of them have not been nominated for Oscar seven in 79 years, so most of the time it's happening. And Globe director as a winner crossover is solid, 44 out of 78 times. That's more than half, 56.4%. It's an easy segue into what happened with the DGAs. Those dropped late today on the 11th as well, and Steven Spielberg does make the cut there. So obviously, I mean, not that Steven Spielberg was in jeopardy of missing this category at the Oscars anyway, but you would think this is just another show of strength for him to show up there. He is nominated at the DGAs alongside Martin McDonough, Joseph Kaczynski for Top Gun Maverick, Todd Field for Tar, and the Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Hmm, that's a manly lineup. It is a manly lineup, mainly, as many would say. Uh, Or just me. (laughs) James Cameron did not make the DGA. James Cameron did not make the BAFTA long list. And obviously what gave us pause about Spielberg, and it gave me pause as well, I was considering the Daniels and Martin McDonough at the Globes in terms of my prediction, because Spielberg was not selected in that BAFTA long list, which is... Which is alarming because that's the the, clo- the highest crossover right. of any voting body that we have throughout award season precursors. And there was 16. There was 16 in the long list, including eight, eight men, men and eight women. That, that were picked ahead of, yeah, Spielberg and Cameron there. So, yeah, there was definitely reason. I mean, and this is, again, it goes back to why it, probably the Golden Globes are. They do have some kind of merit towards predicting Oscars relevancy because... You have that worry last week about, oh my God, Steven Spielberg missed the BAFTA long list, and now you see him on a stage accepting an award for Best Director, talking about how his mother is smiling upstairs and you know giving reverence to John Cassavetes, who he used to be a PA for, and that makes it, oh, of course Steven Spielberg's going to be nominated for Best Director now. Right. Uh, also out in terms of the DGA5, Sarah Polly, Gina prince Bythewood, Marie yeah, every Schrader, female that bummers. made a woman. Every female that made a movie this year was, uh, was <laughs> snubbed. Uh, otherwise, I don't know which international directors were eligible. I think Edward Berger was. I saw him being predicted by our favorite pundits. S.S. Rajamuli, I'm not sure. Park Chan-wook, Baz Luhrmann, Ruben Ostland. We'll see if they crash the party. Typically, at the Oscars, we, we have international we have international representatives, so that's still certainly in play. Joseph Kaczynski is probably the surprise pick from Top Gun Maverick in this DGA five. Even though I'm banging, I've been banging the table for him for a while because, good God, he had to work with the military to get everything coordinated there, and it, it's just a beautiful composition. I thought Top Gun Maverick. He certainly played the orchestra with how many texts and uh, etc. are getting nominated at the end of the day. There. I mean, speaking of of playing the orchestra more literally, I, I have less of an issue with. Kaczynski making the cut than I do with Todd Field. Not that I have an issue with Todd Field making the cut, but again, if you're going to have five men, one of these spots could... Todd Field's, what he did in Tar, it's it's nitpicking between, you know, Gina Prince, yeah. Bythewood, Marie Schrader, all these other fabulous directors that are female that were all snubbed by the... I, I mean, I don't... I just don't... You can't justify to me that this needed to be five men. 
you're you're higher on Martin McDonough than I am, but Todd Field, Martin McDonough, yeah, throw him in there too. I'm fine with that. Like, yeah, I, I you cannot justify to me that these five were head and shoulders above to the point where no one female helmed film got enough votes to make the well, nomination here. Usually, I'm all about giving people more credit in director than screenplay. But to me, Field, McDonough, and Spielberg should get the credit for their writing job. Like, the story composition, to me, is where they should get credit. And actually, the director directorial work, I thought Sarah Polly, that was an incredible directing job because it was such a chamber piece, and it moved so fast. And she, she had, again, people are on the cinematography they don't like it people are on certain production values for women talking they, they're they're against them and I'm, I'm a little surprised by that i gotta see it again like i said women talking but gina prince bythewood i thought that was an excellent yeah. composition maria schrader you, like you said Love that it. was the yep. smoothest smoothest silk yeah what, what what is wrong what is wrong with giving directorial credit for unfilmable stuff that's just women in a barn talking it's this sprawling investigative journalism yep. movie that should not be filmable that should not be cinematic and that worked as a composition Preach. and again i i would give tar credit for you know something unfilmable and again banshees just two irish guys drinking guinness and mad at each yeah, other but you're making the again, point you can give that credit elsewhere i mean you can get tar tar is a performance piece like todd field did great if you want to give him credit that's a tough thing to write right. Right. There's a tough story to write there. And yet he did it. Or it's a performance piece yeah. by the character. And you can give Kate Blanchett the vote. Like, I, the, I don't I just don't you can't justify that to me that he needs to be all over. I agree. So, look, if you want to make the, the argument, Park Chan-wook gets in there. Baz Luhrmann. We, we've been on was surprised that Baz directorial missed. jobs. Yeah, well, I was surprised by Baz missed. Anyway, best first feature in terms of the DGA. Let's mention those five because we do have four out of five women here, which is a Good sign for the future. Mm -hmm. Alice Jopp of St. Omer. I got to see that. Audrey Dewan of Happening. She did an extraordinary job in, in, in Happening, which I thought was eligible last year. So I'm glad to see it show up here. That won Venice two years ago. John Patton Ford for Emily the Criminal. I've reviewed that in the past, praised it. Antonetta Alamat Kusijanovic. Good job of Marina, I believe. I excuse me if that's not the correct pronunciation, but I praised, I banged the table for Marina, especially after the Gotham's. Check that out. I believe it's on Showtime people. And then Charlotte Wells's After Sun viewed that a couple times. Been shouting her out for uh, an incredible directorial job. Big swings in terms of a directorial job in that movie. And I thought she landed them. I get. I mean, maybe they don't work for some people. That's not the easiest movie to watch. But the big emotional swings, and you'll you'll know them when you see them. They hit with me, and I give her a lot of credit for for the audacity there. I hate that movie, and I wish it nothing but the best. <laughs> you. <laughs> A24, A24 just put it out to buy on VOD. I'm surprised. You you don't want to buy a movie on VOD. You only want to rent a movie. Yeah, I do. And, but even though the renting gets like $20 anyway, so I, I'm just, it's just, it's nonsense. I'm just nonsense. Well, now you can buy it for 20 Not a movie, but I don't want to. I don't want to have it there. I think it's going to eat up memory and it's just so stupid. The way I justify these things make no sense. That's exactly. All right. Well, now you're on the record. Let's move into screenplay, Michael. The screenplay as it went at the Golden Groves. Grobes? Golden Globes, Tar, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Banshees, Women Talking, and The Failedmans. It did go to Martin McDonough. Banshees had a big night at the Globes. Banshees, uh, deserving here. I could see why this happened. I could see why this happened. I, I And I, I picked it, so I, I, I 
I could see this, but it's not necessarily what the critics are leaning towards. We've seen the Daniels have 17 wins on the season in terms of original screenplays, uh, trailing Martin McDonough by only two. So that's a race. And I do think that, you know, could go either way at Critics' Choice, Banshees, or Everything Everywhere. I'm wondering what the WGA does. I'm having problems uh, pronouncing things too here. <laughs> but the WGA, their nominations come out the day after the Oscar noms are announced. So we know the WGA noms are not going to affect mm-hmm. Oscar at all. And the WGA winners will be announced two days before Oscars in terms of their eligibility for voting, their, their winner voting closes. So it's not going to have a huge effect. And I'm mentioning that because Banshees are ineligible. Martin McDonough is ineligible at the WGA. So that might not be an issue at all. And I don't it know. Sounds it sounds like something that will work a... itself out. Yeah, I mean, so it's easy yeah. to justify. Well, Martin already got his award. So now it's time to vote for everything everywhere all at once. So they can split and, mm-hmm. you know, go happily into the Oscars night together. But look, we've seen the WGA actually have a big impact sure. when when certain people were not eligible. Parasite like Quentin very much comes to mind. Absolutely won the Globe, and then he's not eligible, yep. and then something else fills the void, and next thing you know, they're they're winning back to back WGA and Oscar. Well, speaking anyway. of winning the Globe, it's a, I hope Martin McDonough enjoys his second and final Golden Globe because he got up there and said he was hoping Jenny the Donkey <laughs> might get nominated tonight, right. but she's a female donkey, and this is the Globe, so uh, it, just laugh out loud stuff, taking shot, take all the shots at the. HFPA, go ahead. <laughs> and it's, I guess he's won enough globes now. He yeah. doesn't want to win any <laughs> more done. globes. He he's, wants to win Oscars. All set. But he's won some globes. Anyway, the, the screenplay crossover, and remember, this is one category going on to two at Oscar. It is a strong crossover, though. 62.5%, 40 out of 64. There you go. Those are the numbers for screenplay. We will wait and see what the WGAs do have to say. We move on to lead actress for comedy or musical. Anna de Armas presented Best Actress in the comedy musical, and it was Michelle Yeoh, and there was a gigantic pop when her name was called. If this was wrestling, she would have been like Cody Rhodes returning at WrestleMania last year yeah she won the battle of the bands noisometer award and look the freeze frame of the night was jamie lee curtis with the roar yes two hands in the air fists in the air screaming for her castmate in this that was awesome. put on instagram that screenshot and she uh, jamie lee curtis put once a cheerleader always a cheerleader (laughs) that was fun and i and i i loved michelle yo's speech she gets up there she shushes she calls out the piano Threatening playing. violence against those playing her off. And, and look, I mean, there throughout the night, the reason the pacing was so poor is that they did let the winners speak and have their time. And it ended right. up costing people at the end of the night because they had to rush through the ending and the biggest awards, which is rough. But, you know, Michelle Yeoh gets up there and says she's going to soak it in, get you know, take a minute and soak it all in and ta- starts talking about her journey. And then they start playing her off. And, I mean, yeah. it could have been a sad moment, but she immediately turns around and it's like, I can beat you up and that's serious, so stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was played for yeah. laughs. But, yes, look, look it. What do you think happens when the Golden Globes is inevitably on Apple TV Plus or Netflix or whatever, you know, a year from now? Good question. Do you think we're going to get, like, ads? That's just going to be, even if you're not in the ad tier, you're going to get ads for during that show. And do you think they let these, do you let these shows play for longer because you don't have the local news contractual cut in? I mean. Or do you think they they stick to, like, a three-hour When you get to hour three. Everybody wants to go home anyway. 
Mm-hmm. Like people don't like sitting around for multiple hours for those kinds of things. So I would think there's still going to be somewhat of a hard and fast three, three and a half hour, try to start wrapping it up. But it's a good question. Like, you know, maybe I, I would think just by the nature of how streaming is, if the globes go to a streamer, then because they don't have to worry about cutting in for commercials, you have that extra time to let the speeches run a little longer, but yet still be out by the three hour mark. So I think right. it could be the best of all worlds. Well, that's that's uh, that's an optimistic viewpoint for me. They'll screw it up. <laughs> All right, where are we? Let me do a comedy or musical actress stat in terms of the crossover. We have winners nominated at the Oscars, forty-seven out of the seventy-one years, and otherwise we have the winners taking Oscar about sixteen out of seventy-eight. So that's not about exactly so 66 percent in terms of nomination crossover and then we have a 20 percent winner crossover which is not great not great but i would also argue that most winners probably aren't as strong contenders in the category as michelle yo is this year and will be she will be going up against undoubtedly the winner for best actress in a drama it did go to kate blanchett over the field in a night where i felt like there were a lot of great speeches that were Mm. given that aid in one's Oscars campaign, and we'll get to Kiwi Kwan in a little bit, who was, I mean, the shining example, but Steven Spielberg gets thrown in there, Michelle Yeoh gets thrown in there. Kate Blanchett wasn't at the Globes, and I thought that was kind of a missed opportunity where, I mean, it could have been a real moment for her to kind of propel her case forward even more. This was tipped to the point where I was wondering if somebody else would right. win the category because we knew thing. she wasn't going to be there. But the reasons that they gave, like, she was on set in... This was so weird. They had an excuse for everybody who wasn't there in person. But that wasn't the excuse going into the award show. The excuse going into the award show that I was hearing was that Tar was premiering in in Britain. Oh. But we were having... Maybe it was premiering on a set. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Maybe Florence Pugh just couldn't... (laughs) Florence Pugh should have accepted all the awards for people who weren't there, by the way. (laughs) Maybe she just couldn't get off the Dune set. (laughs) Right, right. She has to be in Dune. Chalamet, give or take, but Florence Pugh has to be on the Dune set, yeah. Anyway, only once in Golden Globes history have has a winner in the Best Actress Drama category not been nominated at the Golden Globes. It happened in 1988 when Shirley MacLaine won the Globe in a three-way tie uh, with uh, Jodie Foster and Sigourney Weaver and then did not get nominated. Otherwise, everybody's been nominated there, and the winner has crossed over 40 out of 78 years, which is just over 50%, 51.2% Globe Drama winners winning Oscar. They should have rigged the voting so every category had multiple way ties this year. <laughs> Can you Wouldn't imagine that have been if something? still had ties at all these precursors, <laughs> how everybody would be insane in terms of the Oscar punditry? <laughs> it's a five-way tie! <laughs> Everything's possible. How dare you? How dare you proclaim them the frontrunner? Anyway, SAG lead actress did have a fascinating maneuver of Michelle Williams yeah. being out of the Fableman. So it's a, a strange evening, because Top Gun Maverick, it looked like stock down, but Kaczynski gets in for DGA. The Fableman's wins, director, and, and best drama, and yet Michelle Williams out in the SAG Five. So we, we got some races here, folks. Planchette, uh, Viola Davis, Anna DiArmas, Danielle Deadweiler, and Michelle Yeoh are in at SAG and out. We have Michelle Williams, Coleman, Robbie, Mara, Lawrence, Thompson, Manville, Chastain. I shouldn't be listing names. Michelle Williams being out at uh, SAG is a wow moment. 
Feinberg had a follow-up today uh, talking about how, again, he thinks Michelle Williams might have cost herself here at SAG by running lead. And he thinks that the way he poised poised his sentence, it gave the impression to me that he thinks lead is more cutthroat than supporting actress, which I found interesting to read. Supporting is starting to crystallize a little bit. How dare I say that, though, after the variance we've seen all year with their, mm. with that category. But maybe Angela Bassett just gave such a strong performance that we're actually going to see her, you know, or in terms of the, uh, in terms of the speech, that is performance in the speech that we may see her get the legacy vote. I don't know. We'll see. Could be. Yeah. I mean, who knows, but it's still, I, I mean, you wouldn't say that's a lock by any means, right? No, absolutely not. That, that category has been a battle Royale. Right. Since so, it started, so I would have thought. I, I mean, the, the fact that Anna de Armas keeps showing up, she shows yeah. up at the Globes, shows up here at SAG. The fact that she keeps getting nominated in these was she on? Oh no, I'm, I'm sorry, we don't have BAFTA yet. It's it's curious. It is. It is fascinating that Anna de Armas gets in here again. A lot of people have been singing her praises. It might be a love it or hate it performance, like Margot Robbie. And it's big brass. But then, why do you there? nominate Babylon for ensemble? Like, what? It's a, how do you get to nominating Babylon for ensemble if you're not blown away by Margot Robbie? What's the justification there? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's it, again. It is a competitive category. We've known so it weird for like ten performances. We knew this lead actress was going to be tough. It was ten deep, like really deep. Like I would say, Williams, Coleman, Robbie. And then I, for me, for my money, Emma Thompson and Naomi Aki was pretty damn good. But like for, for my money, Vicky Crapes would be that 10th. Anyway, she's not being Vicky considered. Crapes from? From Corsage. Thank you. The, <laughs> the elegance, the impeccable, the, the beautiful, re- the refinement wonderful Corsage. Corsage. We're going to just slowly drift into things that are only funny to us and... You're going to have to deal with that, dear listener. We go our lead actor. Shuji, you want to get in the limo and put on our corsages? Lead actor. Comedy or musical. Uh, Colin Farrell won this. He's a good-looking man. He is uh, incredibly handsome. Both lead actor you know, picks were handsome this year. And, and yeah, he gets up there and he immediately, immediately praises Anna DiArmas and... Uh, that I, was earning I mean, brownie points with he was earning brownie points with everybody, wasn't well, he? Well, look, if he was, if I'm Anna de Armas, I would have tackled him. So good for her for having that kind of restraint because <laughs> his charm. I don't think any one person has won me over more in the work they've done leading up to their to the Oscars run here than Colin Farrell. And if you have not had a chance to go on the Hollywood Reporter's YouTube channel and check out the Actors Roundtable, it's Colin Farrell, Austin Butler, Adam Sandler's there. We should have known Jeremy Pope. Uh, I'm forgetting Brendan Fraser, uh, Kihei mm-hmm. Kwan is there. It's a great collection of people of people who are going to win Oscars this year. First of all, never mind just get nominated. But Colin Farrell is so vulnerable and open. It's like a therapy session for him, Fraser, oh, wow. Austin Butler. It's so revealing, and he's just so honest. And he talks about his career, and he talks about being hot shit and thinking he was the man and starting out with such a blaze, and then getting Alexander and being like, and we were thinking on the set of that thing, let's get our tuxes ready. This is Oscars, baby. And then when it came out, how soul crushing it was that it just flopped so hard like he's just I, I don't know if I always thought he was like pompous or what the hell my holdup was with him but he is so genuine in these interviews and in these these just talking getting to know each other I think some of that came out during his speech last night in the Globes too 
I can't wait to talk about this uh, and focus more on this category this weekend with our guests because this is a hell of a race right now. Austin Butler is now a bona fide contender. I know a lot of us were touting him as a contender leading up to this, but now he's got resume chops. And, of course, Colin Farrell. Of course, Colin Farrell was leading the Critics Awards scoreboard, but now this goes beyond the Critics Awards. He's got a chance to really put his stamp on the category. And like you said, he's charming the pants off of everybody on the campaign circuit. In my circuit, case, quite literally. With the publicity, bed, yeah. <laughs> with, the publicity with uh, Mike Runs' living room or yeah. bedroom or bathroom. What I case. do behind my closed doors is my business. Like and I told now Smoke. we have him just charming everybody at the Golden Globe. So that what, this who do matters. you think has had to bulldoze past the other person's nonsense more between you and me throughout the history of this podcast? <laughs> Just keep going to keep the show in motion. On re-listening, because usually yeah. that's when I'm most attentive to what you say, yeah. not during the broadcast. Like Surely. It should be. The podcast broadcast. Right. I should be listening more <laughs> attentively, but I'm like a Golden Globes audience member, I think. And you... You have to blow past a lot of my bullshit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Finally giving you that credit. Finally, this olive branch. (laughs) It only took like 800 episodes. I thought, like, the reason I asked it, because I thought it had to be you, but then when I started thinking about it when you were talking, I'm like, no, it's it's me. It's me. It's definitely you. You've had to blow by. I have just got blah, 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 blah (laughs) so often, and you've just been like, yeah, and let's get back <laughs> and anyway, on track for, <laughs> and So anyway. let's talk about lead actor, not drama. Now, did you do the stat, the crossover stat for comedy musical? Oh, I didn't say it yet, but thank you. <laughs> uh, lead actor, comedy or musical to the winner has been nominated for an Oscar about 50% of the time, 36 out of 71 years there, and uh, 50.7%. And then the comedy or musical best actor winners have won Oscar only seven times out of 71 uh, that is 9.8%, but obviously you've had the Sasha Baron Cohens, you've had you know, a lot of years where they postured it this way for a reason. They postured Bo Rap into the drama side of things mm-hmm. for a reason because of crossovers like that. And you don't have the strength of a Colin Farrell in Banshee's nominee most years that you do, right. who's a legitimate threat. So, I mean, Austin Butler wins lead actor drama, which is For a musical, yeah. yeah. For a musical, that's correct. <laughs> a feather in his cap, like you just said. The big three are there in SAG as well. Butler, Farrell, Frazier. Power ranking those right now, just talking about because Butler wins, Farrell wins, Frazier doesn't, but we figured Frazier probably wouldn't because he has that grudge against the HFPA, rightfully so. But right. nonetheless, how do you power rank those three right now in your mind? Well, I think Frazier could play very well at the SAGs, even though I could too. Yep. Butler feels like a SAG winner as well, right? Just I think all three of them. It. I mean, you could go Butler, it's but you could also man. you could also say, well, he's the new kid on the block. He's got his whole career ahead of him. Colin Farrell's been doing this for decades, and like the Jamie Lee Curtis line of thinking I, that I proposed, you know. But can't you see them just like picking Adam Sandler though as well? Can't you see the SAG? Not yet. Bo- voting about it. Not uh, yet. I mean, look it. Not for, not, not for hustle. If, if it was uncut gems this year, yes. Okay. I don't think yeah. for hustle, right? I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe you're right. It's a big voting body. There's a lot of idiot podcasters like us. In that voting body. Here's what I know for sure about Adam Sandler. Here's what I know for sure. He's winning an Oscar for lead actor soon. For Spaceman? For Spaceman? Well, I don't know if it's... But doesn't it feel like he's... I mean, he's in these circles now every... For, like, right. he, he's at the award shows. He's either presenting or getting a legacy award. Or he's always given a speech. Like, he's... 
He's here, man. This is like, <laughs> tell the kids, you kid Mike one and also Mike watching Billy Madison on VH1 for the billionth time, true. that that guy is going to be an Oscar winner. I, I mean, it blows my mind to say, but I think it's true. Yeah, he's paving the way. There's no doubt about it. He's, I mean, he did it at the Indy Spirits last mm-hmm. year with a great speech for Uncut Gems. He got the tribute at the Gotham Awards this year. Hilarious. The next Safdie movie, I think, maybe. And But this is a bona fide. This is a... SAG nomination for yeah. a movie where I mean he's good in Hustle. Don't get me wrong, but does he is he SAG nom lead actor five good over yeah. Tom Tom Cruise? Do over we give a Paul standing Mescal? ovation to Scott Feinberg's connections and networking that had that guy Has at it. five the entire lead up and all we were all like, what the hell is going on? And then here he is at SAG. That's why Scott Scott. <laughs> that is why. Uh, anyway, we got we got a bone to pick with one another over this voice gate thing with uh, <laughs> Austin Butler. You're so dumb. Yeah, go ahead. Because <laughs> it's real. Because who number gives one, a shit? <laughs> he gets up there and he goes, "Oh, my boy, my boy." No, no he oh, didn't. Oh, thank you very much. He goes up. He literally that, went up there. None, and goes, none, oh, let me tell boy, you. By the way, none of that happened. <laughs> he, I just rewatched it. He goes, m- the first thing he says. Yes, he says, "My boy, twang. my boy." Yes, he does. That's true. My boy. He doesn't. My he boy. doesn't shake his hips and wax his hair and, and wiggle oh. his finger. He goes, Priscilla, I love you forever. <laughs> this is on the list of things that did not happen again. I would like to say. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you, Quentin Tarantino. I love you, Daddy. I love you too, Baz. Like, this is what aggravated the shit out of me on Twitter. Like, <laughs> hey. Austin, 30-year-old, 29-year-old Austin, good job becoming this icon over the last however many years of your life, let's say three or four, to the point where you might win an Oscar for it. Mm-hmm. How dare you let that stick with you at all? Because you may happen to sound a little bit like Elvis more so after playing Elvis for half a decade than you sound like the 17-year-old who was on those MTV and Nickelodeon shows. What gives, man? But look, it. this is not like Steven Tyler Aerosmith <laughs> 30 years after <laughs> where his voice deepened a little bit. This is like... Can I ask you a serious question? Okay, but th- but th- no, he, no, dude, he's but he is listen. from Anaheim, as they said on the Big Picture podcast today. He's from Anaheim, and he gets up there, and he's like, "Oh." Sean Fantasy's tweet is what set me off. By the way, first of all, second of all, yes, but he, I agree ser- with Mister. But, ser- but a serious question, serious question for you and Mister. <laughs> Fantasy, serious question. You're you're how old? That's part I am one. Thirty nine years old. Okay, you're thirty nine years. God help. Second question: Why do you care at thirty nine what this guy, kid sounds like? <laughs> Because I am of the school where Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> shows up at the Oscars playing Michael Stipe after spending years playing Abraham Lincoln. All right, that's what okay. I'm used to. So, I'm not used so to some in summary, guy. Because Austin Butler isn't Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> I'm not used to the kids still being in character, accepting the awards. I'm used to, you know, showing up like, hi. This is the dumbest conversation we've ever had on the show. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying it's a smart conversation. I'm not saying that my objection here is a smart one. I'm just saying I I I am somebody who analyzes these performances okay. for a hobby, mm-hmm. not a living a hobby. <laughs> for a very time-consuming hobby and look at it is of my judgment, he is still in the Elvis persona. 
I at the moment. If I'm Austin Butler, I said this yeah. to you in the pre-show. If I, I go to all these precursors with just uh-huh. a radically different voice every time. Like I'm going in talking like Boris Yelchin one time. I'm talking like Steven <laughs> Tyler the next time. I'm gonna go back and revert, like watch my old tapes from Nickelodeon and try to mimic that voice. I'm not giving any of you the satisfaction of hearing the real Austin Butler ever again. <laughs> ever again. Keep us guessing, and you'll get hired for everything. Right. You'll be able to pick. Your, you know, choice of projects, Austin. <laughs> you should have just learned that much. Anyway, uh, in terms of the Globe Lead Actor crossover, the for winners yeah. for drama, Globe Drama Actor crossover, ten of the last twelve years and fifty-two of the seventy-eight years. That's sixty-six percent or two-thirds. Uh, it has crossed over, so that's the strongest yet we've seen. And only four Globe Lead Actor Drama winners were not nominated. We're not nominated at the Oscars. That's four out of 78 years. So that's an only a 5% miss rate. Yeah, no no danger of that uh, adding to the total there because Butler's going to see his name nominated. One would, <laughs> something drastic has to happen between now and Oscars nomination day for him not to be there. And again, the SAG 5, four lead actor read as mm-hmm. such, Butler, Farrell, Frazier, Bill Nighy, and the aforementioned Adam Sandler. Nighy, again, comfortably making his slot that fourth uh, slot and fifth uh, fifth is either wide open or it's Adam Sandler, it would appear, for lead actor. <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of resumes, right? We'll, we'll see. I mean, it, it's, it seems like a race. Who, who the it hell has knows to be Cruz at the end of the day, doesn't it, at the Oscars? Oh, man, I don't know. Like, this is the end of next week. We, we, got, a, we got a fun conversation to have with our friend this weekend, and we got a fun conversation to have with ourselves next week because it could be Cruz, Mescal. I mean, can you see Jeremy Pope still getting nominated? Diego Calva? Can you see Hugh Jackman still being? I can see Calvin now because of how the SAG treated Babylon. But again, why isn't Calva there for the SAG then? Look, we've still seen curveballs at Oscar with uh, Lakeith Stanfield, the supporting actor, right? Great example. We've seen seen, uh, Marina de Tavera and supporting actress come from Roma. We've seen international feature nominees be put forward late in the game. We've seen Phantom Thread get Manville and mm-hmm. and Daniel Day-Lewis after many people were predicting against them because it was a late breaker. We've seen, of course, Penelope Cruz. So who's your wild up. card? Who's who's the one that's maybe most off the path that you can see being in there? Oh, I mean, Song Kang-ho from Broker, maybe? That would be the craziest. That'd be crazy. That'd be out like, there, yeah. Like Penelope Cruz, but that's neon. Can they can they pull a rabbit out of their hat with with broker there? It's Song Kang Ho. He's a, he's one of those names where you're like, we're dying for him to get nominated. That yeah, so that's probably my total wild card. But like, would I be shocked at a Felix Kammerer? Well, what let me, I mean, like what what? Yeah, so let me ask you. So, would you be shocked by that by him being number five? I would be surprised. Over would Cruz, you be shocked by, by Hugh Jackman? I would be surprised. Would at this you be point. shocked I, I, by Ray Fiennes? Yes. No. Yeah. I mean, all those four would be. Sh- I'm going to be shocked no matter what happens in lead actor. That's wow. the fun part, right? I mean, who? What's the one name where you wouldn't be shocked? Would you be shocked if Tom Cruise got nominated at this point? I would. No, but that's what the the, the list of oh that makes sense. I can talk myself into at least the logic of how that happened. I think is small. I think it's like Cruise. I'll give it to Mezcal, even though I you oh, know how I feel about single Calva? nominations. No. Cruise Calva. Kaluuya, I guess. Daniel Craig for the Kentucky Fried. 
that's not going to show up an ensemble for SAG, but he's going to get in for lead actor. I mean, it's I just mean, he I got don't the know. Globe, but yeah, I mean, it's Globe Nom. I would be surprised. I would be surprised by almost any outcome now. That's how fun this category has become somehow. When it seemed like it was going to be chalk all year, you have Domingo, It is still chalk because the winner is going to be one of three guys. But it's fun to have like oh, a wide open yeah, fifth absolutely. spot. That is fun. And it goes to Tom Hanks, not for a man called Otto. We bumped him up from his Elvis role to a lead. <laughs> that would be shockingly terrible. I would listen. <laughs> hated the role, hated the makeup. I'd love it. <laughs> I hated that movie, A Man Called Otto. There's a few. Oh, you didn't films, like A Man Called Otto? There's a few films that I just loathed. Oh, really? And that was one of them. And <sighs> what made it even worse, Michael, is that I had a, a couple, a married couple. Number one, I sat dead center <laughs> for this watch, uh-huh. and I bought myself my popcorn. Sure. And my soda, and I'm like, I need it to get through this movie. Why the fuck am I going to this movie even? I was just bored and single and lonely. I don't know how you did that to yourself. My life did not go where I expected it to go. (laughs) And here I am watching a man called Otto, and this married couple has to sit with only one seat next to me. Like, there's nobody else in the theater. Just these two canoodling. Like, they're they're out on the prowl looking for a third. Maybe they were. Maybe they were. And then laughing hilariously the whole movie while I'm just sitting there just growling. I'm just yeah. what the I like I'm literally it's getting obnoxious. There's nothing worse than when you want to be miserable than being surrounded by love. I mm-hmm. agree. That's not that's not a joke. I agree. <laughs> that's, no, we that's the perspective of of a miserable man. <laughs> we agreed twice in this episode. How misery enjoys company. That's the episode. <laughs> Supporting actress, we move on somehow. <laughs> Angela Bassett does get finally her big win. Good pick by you. Great job by the HFPA there. Yeah, what the hell? She talks about how she was last on the the Golden Globe stage back in 1994 for What's Love Got to Do With It. She's been around forever. I made a joke. I turned 36 by the time you're listening to this, yeah. and she looks like she's 10 years younger than I am. She looks incredible, and she had the impossible task of following Kihui Kwan speech of the great decade point. maybe yep. maybe maybe since last year for Christ's sake because we had a great sporting actor speech then but he gave one of the all-time great speeches ever and then here we get Angela Bassett who really well composed after she got her phone out which was kind of cute and adorable yeah. she gets her phone out and she delivers this incredible speech and she ends it with the the poetry and the shout out and the and the tribute to Chadwick Boseman yep. I just, I, what a great start to this award show because of those two speeches. Did you notice Jennifer Hudson barely keeping it together as she was holding the uh, the, the award for Angela Bassett there? I mean, that was touching too, just to see the the impact that win had on Jennifer yeah. Hudson, the presenter. So it, it was it was a it was a tremendously emotional start to this award show, and this is going to be a category that could continue to keep us guessing. Like as much as I want to sure. say Angela Bassett, I probably misspoke earlier because in my heart of hearts, I know this is not sewn up and over yet, even though I, I kind of want it to be because I'm rooting for her. But uh, look, this, this could go any which way at critics choice. This could go any which way going forward. Jamie Lee Curtis, Dolly DeLeon, not that she's at critics choice, but we could see this 
going in different directions, right? Well, the people that get angry at Jamie Lee Curtis for getting kind of the shine in this category over Stephanie Sue were were placated a bit by SAG because, yeah, it could go in any direction. And this is a, a, an example of it. We had a different SAG 5 than we did Golden Globes 5. And the SAG 5 were Angela Bassett, Hong Chow, Carrie Condon, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Stephanie Sue makes their appearance there. So, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to see Hong Chow finally get some love. Uh, she's been banging on the door for years mm-hmm. Uh, for many performances, uh, she was awesome in a downsizing. Anyway, downsizing, but no, even there's another movie with our favorite. Uh, oh my God, here I'm going to do it. Jesse Plemons. The, no, our other favorite character ask, actor, the Jesse Plemons before Jesse Plemons. His name, and he just Philip passed Seymour away Hoffman? recently. Oh, he was the Philip Seymour Hoffman before <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm looking this up in real time. This is terrible. I'm usually terrible, in tune terrible. with what you can't get. I don't know where you're going. Oh, Can you give me a movie? Driveways. Here, you're, Once I say this name, he, she was great in American Woman. She was great in Watchmen. I'm on IMDb, gosh darn it. And here we go, Brian Dennehy. Oh, okay. Brian yeah. Dennehy Siegel. was... Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman before Phyllis Seymour Hoffman to, to to a great extent. And then, yes, uh, Driveways. She was great. Hong Chao was great in Driveways. That's all I wanted to say. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Brian Dennehy was good in Season on the Brink, too, as Bobby Knight. Yes, he was. <laughs> Brian Dennehy was always good. He was the best. Anyway, we have uh, we have a S- Dolly De Leon, Monet, Mulligan, Pal- Kiki Palmer did not really get enough momentum That's at all. That sucks. That she never had any kind of, she never had momentum this year for in that category. I was kind of holding out hope maybe Lashana Lynch could yep. surprise some people after getting the BAFTA long list from the Woman King. That would be a fun inclusion at SAG. Didn't happen, but we got a lot to talk about with our guests this weekend. How the hell is this category going to move forward? And I don't think we're getting any kind of, uh, you know, surefire crossover from the Globes, either other than maybe the nomination. 73 out of 78 Globe winners, so Angela Bassett should get nominated at Oscar after winning Globe. That's 93%, only five misses. However, one of those misses came recently with Jodie Foster of The Mauritanian. You remember the movie yeah. The Mauritanian, Mike? Yeah, I remember being Two years surprised ago. seeing that, seeing her pop up there, yeah. She won Globe, she lost uh, a nomination at Oscar even and otherwise globe supporting actress 47.5% of the time at crossovers one to one at Oscar 37 out of 78 women talking having a rough couple days no nominations for any performance for women talking at the globe no nominations for any of the performances of women talking at SAG in the supporting actress category even though it did like we said make the ensemble nomination we can move on to supporting actor at the globes Kiwe Kwan, it was probably the moment of the night, even though it was the first award of the night. He came out, he wins, gives just a banger of a speech, and it was not only us on Twitter separately from the same account, but multiple <laughs> other people being like, oh, well, that Oscar's spoken for. So if we were living in the movie Fight Club, and we're not going to... We're not going to get any spoilers yet. <laughs> Even though they spoiled the White Lotus. Jennifer Coolidge, you spoiled the White Lotus for me. I haven't gotten that I far know, Yeah, yet. I noted that as well, yeah. Darn it. Anyway... We, if we were tweeting as Edward Norton and Brad Pitt yeah. at the same time from the reality movie of the Fight Club, we would tweet like we normally tweet at award shows for the first award of every night. We do this every year. <laughs> we do it every year. How do we? We yeah. do it every year. We both set out two versions of the same mm-hmm. tweet. 
But, it, I mean, we I didn't converse that. with each other. We just had the same thought, <laughs> like many other people did. I mean, this was – well, I was I was raised to never forget where I came from and always remember my first opportunity. I'm so happy to see Steven Spielberg here tonight. Steven, thank you. Through so many years, I was afraid I had nothing more to offer than what I did as a child actor in Indiana Jones. Thankfully, more than 30 years later, two guys thought of me. They remembered that kid, and they gave me an opportunity to try again. I mean – Good God, what a sentimental, emotional, all the adjectives, just a mushy, gushy speech. This is what it's all about for us. And this is like a culminatory moment. Uh, Again, my words escape We'll go with it. A culmination of kind of what we do here. This is what it's all about. This is the love of the game, the game that we love moment for us, where Kihui Kwan returning from our youths, the, the, the sentimental pick, but also... The performance of the year for us in this category. He's been my number one forever. I know he's he's been high on your list yeah, forever. Is, is he your number one? I, I don't have the the supporting. I mean, he's going to win, so I'm going to end up defaulting to that anyway. But yeah, he's been. Let's just say he's been very high. I don't have it figured well, out yet. You got to get more uh, anal retentive, like me. I do. Keep the lists the way I, I keep them. Uh, to to no, you, you shouldn't. I don't. won't. Never change. <laughs> uh, but look at he's been my number one forever. So I love the fact that he's getting this, even though he's probably a lead actor in that movie. But that goes again. There's... Long history of category fraud. And yeah, actors. yeah. I don't think I don't think anyone's going to hold that against him. Certainly, right. but there's this narrative running through a lot of nominees and winners this year with Kihei Kwan, Brendan Fraser, Colin Farrell. That. You know, these these men and women who were once popular, who kind of had a down period or a very down period in their career. And Kiyue Kwan's uh, example, he was out of the industry completely. Brandon Frazier was was almost out of the industry completely. They've, t- they've talked about this. Uh, uh, Colin Farrell tried to talk Martin McDonough out of casting him in In Bruges because he felt he came in with too much baggage and didn't want to ruin that movie. Like, but these guys are all, they're they're all back now. And they're all on the precipice of Oscar's glory. And it's just, it's really, I mean, I know the the awards industry in and of itself kind of gets a bad rap because it's Hollywood glorifying themselves. And there are all, all those legitimate criticisms. But like you said, this is why we do this. There are these stories that are about the human good and about perseverance and about, you know, chasing your dreams and sticking with it and about just decency that is really uplifting. And this year, maybe more than others, kind of highlights that. The audience loves a comeback. I mean, it's obviously one of the, true Oscar narratives that we love to follow and we love to point out every year in the ramp up and the Academy loves one too. And the the business loves one too. They love to tear you down yeah, and then they love to build you back up. <laughs> I think there's a South park episode or 10 on the same there thing but, uh, or a movie like Babylon on the same thing. Right. Anyway, <laughs> some of them didn't get back up though. Uh, look at Kiwi Kwan. This is an awesome moment and he's probably going to go the distance after this. Most likely he's got to have, ridiculously yeah. short odds i would think i, I haven't like, looked yet is it even that's... worth is no. it but look at if you know he's a winner why not just put money on it like why wouldn't vegas close the category hey, if it's open hey mike mm-hmm. try it go ahead do it what's the worst that happens it's a guaranteed winner a thousand bucks you win a <laughs> you win 10 there was not to go all pro wrestling and I'm disgusted by what's going on in WWE, which is a whole different subject for a different day. But there was a guy when the undertaker fought Brock Lesnar before the undertaker ever lost at WrestleMania, his odds were like minus 16,000 because he just was not going to lose. It's and a there, matter of liquidity. There was, there were stories of a guy who bet like $64,000 on the undertaker to win again at WrestleMania because mm. it was that heavy of a favorite. And he was only going to win like 400 bucks. 
And he lost. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> anyway, the Globe winner nomination stats. 70 out of 78 times the Globe winner has been nominated at the Oscars. Again, this is a strong case for Kihui Kwan here, but even better is the Globe winner's have won Oscars 41 out of 78 times. That's 52.5%. But it's happened a lot recently. I should have done that out of 10 or 12 stats. Anyway, I forgot to put that over, but it's a strong crossover. It's there as well. And a crossover of a lot of the noms to what happened at the SAG nominations as well. We exchanged Brad Pitt. He was nominated at the Golden Globes. He's out. In for the SAGs in the supporting actor category is Paul Dano. So one of the uh, Fableman's actors, supporting actors, does get in. Dano, Brendan Gleeson, Barry Keoghan. Uh, Kihue Kwan, Eddie Redmayne, Oscar nominee for The Good Nurse, Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, it's looking like it right now. Yeah. He's, has he? Did he miss Critics' Choice? Let me look down here. He did miss Critics' Choice, so he's Who gotten Golden Globe and SAG, Eddie of, Redmayne. Of all the ones to miss, you're going to miss the one with the most uh, nominations. Interesting. Weird. Just mm. a weird. That is kind of a weird category, even though it's looking like Gleason, Kyoen, Kihue Kwan, Dano, you would think, but you never know. You never know. He's he's got misses on the resume there, and Eddie Redmayne. Can we just can we get over the Eddie Redmayne thing? He's not good and good nurse. He's okay. It's not the strongest category. Not the strongest year for this category. Oh, it's gonna have a great winner. Yes, strong at the top. Yeah. Anyway, strong at the top. Animated feature. Let's move on to Pinocchio's to? inevitable. <laughs> coronation here yeah pinocchio <laughs> wins beats out marcel the shell it's stupid <laughs> it's only stupid to us yes. because we're like the only two people on the planet to disagree with pinocchio winning and look at i'm almost still happy for the guy because it's impossible not to be happy yeah, you for can't guillermo not del toro. like guillermo del toro when he talks about movies and how excited he, is he gets the most likable he should run for office this yes, guy i agree he should run for and i did not enjoy pinocchio even though i enjoyed looking at pinocchio i enjoyed listening to pinocchio mm-hmm. it was like oliver twist british nails on a chalkboard <laughs> matilda but you know without the funny emma thompson to me like yeah. i just this movie was strangely dislikable. I was shocked to dislike this movie, and I've liked this category thus far this year, as have you. Marcel Desherel with shoes on, turning red, yeah. puss in boots. I even watched the uh, the Japanese anim- anime rock opera serial killer film, NUO, for $15, and it was fun. It was good music. I was tapping along with the, it's it's completely incomprehensible or at least i was <laughs> doing other shit i wasn't paying attention thinking, anyway thinking nuo not a bad watch I, I bought it again for 15 bucks michael scott so, from the office talking about how he watched the wire and he's just like i have no idea what they're saying <laughs> no idea what to say it's cool though anyway puss in boots the last witch i just came from that at the theaters the other night loved it grace voice work i mean banderas hayek Harvey Guillen, Florence Pugh, Olivia Coleman, John Mulaney's funny. Wow. Divine Joy Randolph is good. Ray Winstone doing the. You, can you. If you. Have you ever seen Ray Winstone not do his natural voice? <laughs> I, Neither have I. Am Neither I a I. Ray Winstone historian? Is that what you're asking me? Oi! <laughs> Ray Winstone. What a voice. <laughs> Jenna Ortega presented both original score and original song. I like the way she previewed the original song to come. I also really liked, I don't know if you saw this, Scream's Twitter account was just reposting Jenna Ortega from the red carpet, from presenting, from everything. And it was just like, enjoy this while you can. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was like really <laughs> ominous shit. And I was like, holy Christ, I'm really going meta with this. And he was like, I gave her that haircut. <laughs> like, okay. like somebody's some, dying. Yeah. Somebody, they're not going to wait until a second trilogy no, to keep no, all no, these no. characters that we've learned to love. Yeah. And Jenna Ortega may be too big for Scream as it is. So oh, no. Might be getting there. Anyway. <laughs> New York. Oh. <laughs> she presents original score. It does go to Justin Hurwitz for Babylon. Uh, I got I'm it mad wrong. At myself. Yeah, me, me too. too. Yeah. I, I mean, this is, again, it's one of those, clearly, this is the best. It's the best of the year for me. Anyway. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I've, I, we've said as much. And I'm bummed because I, I said not to, not to was going to win song to you on many occasions. I thought, I thought you it was, picked it. I didn't. I I kind of gave myself the hedging of the bet, and I was like, I thought Rihanna was going to win because they were going to go chalk, even though Oscars to me is going to come down to Gaga probably taking it back at the end of the day versus Natu Natu, which is going to be the cool pick. But look at, I don't think either of these guys delivered a good speech. Hurwitz's message was better than his speech. I agree. Yeah, I gave the snide tweet on that. Somebody from Babylon took too way yeah, way too long that. to make a simple point, yeah. and then didn't know how to end it. It was an awkward, awkward speech. Can I tell you that for... was so catty that I thought I wrote it at first? <laughs> when I saw people liking it, I was like, I didn't write that. <laughs> MM Kiravani accepts, and it was like this really long pause, and good on him for delivering the speech he wanted to give. Right? Yeah, he got it out, and they didn't play him off yet. But that he does not need to speak for five minutes there. I'm sorry. Like that is not an entertaining speech. Everybody's gonna get on me for like this is he deserves this moment. He deserves this moment. Yes, he does. But does he need? Does he need to prepare a better speech? Yes, he does. Yeah. Eh, not a unreasonable take. I don't think. But it's not a hill anybody should die right. on. And here I am, right. just getting pelted by stones from all corners because I'm. This beautiful man just gave who who came up with the best song of the year and the, the oh my god what a great dance scene that was in RRR one like of the Mike best scenes Oscar, of the year we flog ourselves we only hate the best <laughs> yes uh, we can wrap up with the final SAG award stunt ensemble uh, Avatar gets in for stunt ensemble the Batman Black Panther Top Gun Maverick and the Woman King. Maybe surprising to see that RRR and Everything Everywhere All at Once are out that didn't make Stunt Ensemble. Were they eligible? Uh, good question. RRR. Good question. Was RRR eligible at SAG? I don't know. I have no answer for that. That's a good question. I think so. I, I don't know. Everything Everywhere All at Once was probably the bigger snub. Everybody was predicting that to just kind of coattails its way in. All Quiet on the Western Front was predicted. 13 Lives was predicted. They kind of did a lot of swimming. A lot of swimming, a lot of swimming, a lot of scuba. That's correct. Anyway. I mean, uh, I would think real actors flying planes is kind of a big deal for stunts. Yes, but devotion should get credit in the same regard. But no, unfortunately. Anyway, Top Gun Maverick should be there. I mean, they actually were in these freaking planes. My God. I mean, not to take anything away from Avatar or the, you know, the ensemble stunt team from Black Panther or anything like that. But yeah, I, I tweeted it out. This is the first category of the you know the morning that got announced and i was like these five are deserving no yeah. offense to everything everywhere it's just those five are deserving those the stunts were incredible in the batman uh, i mean the stunts were incredible in black panther and again we can pound the table like we do every year how can you say you're celebrating the best of the year in film as the oscars when you disclude an entire group of people like the stunt people and the stunt coordinators yeah. and everyone it takes it's to put bummer. them together it is a bummer they got it they got to fix this anyway 
In terms of the tallies, Banshees took three. Everything Everywhere took two. The Fablemans took two as well. They spread the love around, I thought, at the Golden Globes this year otherwise. And um, it was it was cool to see. I mean, I, I, think, I think the race actually opened up more than it closed, Michael, after the Golden Globes in terms of the film's highlights. I wonder if it's going to have any effect i am I, and we're never going to really know i guess because we'd have to talk to individual voters and get enough input but i just i do wonder for as little crossover with the academy as the hfpa even the new hfpa has i i wonder how much stock any academy voter is putting into anything that happened on the golden globe stage last night it's still a big stage though it's still it network no, tv no doubt. i mean Kihui Kwan. Well, that's what I like. I do the won the Oscar last night. Do the speeches mean more than the actual winners? Do you think? You know what I mean. Like, obviously, you don't get a chance to give a speech if you're not winning. But nonetheless, like, does if, does the fallout mean more <laughs> than what actually happened with the votes? Look, maybe he was going to win regardless. But after delivering that speech, I think he helped his case. I think Angela I Bassett too. helped her I case. Too. I did too. And I think Michelle Yeoh helped her case. And like you mentioned earlier, Kate Blanchett probably hurt, yeah. hurt her candidacy by not being there. After she charmed the hell out of Venice, after she charmed the hell out of New York with the festival season, and I know from that festival experience, she had New York in the palm of her hand mm. because of how well she worked the New York Film Festival, in my opinion. So I... I think she has the capability, which is why it was a strange choice not to make her available to get her back over here to deliver that speech. Yeah, yeah I, right. I agree with what I said earlier. Good point by you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we let, let's run down the TV award highlights, though. Go for it briefly. Yeah. Uh, House of the Dragon, one drama series over Saul, what Crown, Ozark. I still haven't Severance. even watched the last season of, of Saul, but that stat that's out there, it's been nominated for like a billion of this and seven gold and it never won any. Give the fucking show an award on its last year already, please. I haven't watched it. I can't. I mean, I know you're a big Ozark fan, and you. I watched, watched Ozark. Some? I watched. I watched the finale so, of Ozark, but I. I watched everything but the last. Like, I think I have four episodes to go with Better Call Saul's last season. I, I don't to, care how it is. I, it doesn't matter to me. It deserves I'm an up award. Three hundred twenty-eight movies that I've seen from this past year. And I was thinking about that when I was doing when I was working out earlier. I'm like, why am I so behind on movies? It's because I've watched a billion TV shows. Right. I can't watch all the TV shows because I'm watching all the movies. I just can't do it. Kevin Costner of Yellowstone, who just won Best Actor in a Drama. There's five seasons of Yellowstone. There's six. I've watched two seasons of Saul. I can't catch up. And Zendaya of Euphoria winning again. There's like three seasons of that. And that's just nothing but teenagers canoodling on the floor of bedrooms (laughs) in houses which was the drug. original title of the show, but they thought it didn't Isn't roll it? off the tongue. No, yeah. it doesn't fit either. These Abbott, folks, we don't. <laughs> Abbott Elementary did very well for <laughs> Abbott Elementary is a monster. I mean, Quinta Brunson is going to run awesome. the land of TV once Ryan Murphy's done running the land of TV. And I was thrilled to see Tyler James Williams win a supporting yes. category as well. That's awesome. He he did a, he does a great job on that show. That I at least watched the first season of. But now I'm I'm looking at. at I gotta watch the second season. It's just too much. Have you uh, watched the White Blackbird? Lotus? What? Have you watched Blackbird at all? I did watch Blackbird. Did you? But that was like in a lull. I was able to watch Blackbird and see Paul Walter Hauser and Taron Edgerton Egerton. I forget how to pronounce that. It's only been two years. Bassinger. 
Yeah, Jason but I don't have time to watch The White Lotus, even though everybody loves it. I have I've to watched watch like that a as well. Yeah, I've watched I have to it. watch it. Even though Jennifer Coolidge spoiled it, I still want to watch it. I want to watch the, it now. This is why I don't, like, I, you and I oh, are never going to see eye to eye with spoilers. But, like, her saying that, now I want to watch it even more. Her performance on the stages last night, I want to watch that show even more than I did. So, it worked well, for I'm me. I'm glad, because she won Best Supporting Actress and gave her second great speech yes. of the night. Hilarious five minutes, and it's fun. And then, yeah, Paul Walter Hauser... We're not an interview show, but Paul Walter Hauser is a friend of the who, show. Who was, had, I mean, he did not have to be nice to us and give us that interview at right. all. And so, I mean, we're always going to be in his quarter. Absolutely. And uh, he did that performance better than Mark Rylance. I will pound the table. <laughs> <laughs> I will laugh inappropriately in an 1,100-seat Alice Tully Hall at Mark Rylance. <laughs> and I wouldn't dream... I wouldn't dream of being anything but terrified at Paul Walter Hauser. Nice shout out by him at the end of his speech, too, to do get the tables, throwing it back to the Dudley boys from uh, old school WWE there, ECW. That was cool. But That's then, fun. Uh, hey, look, for what the Golden Globes were, for the disaster that it could have been, I, I you know, if you want to say you didn't enjoy the comedy, you didn't enjoy the show, that's fine. I don't buy that there wasn't some kind of comedy for you or moments of enjoyability that you found. This was a lot better of a presentation than I feared we were getting. Yeah. Our words of wisdom of today will be aim lower. Um, <laughs> Mike, Mike and Oscar audience expect worse yeah. aim lower. Give in to your Ex- fears. Basically <laughs> <laughs> expect a complete disaster yeah. and you won't be quite as disappointed because we weren't as, as disappointed as we usually are. Maybe <laughs> something like that. Jennifer Coolidge really did. It went a long way. Gerard Carmichael <laughs> and Jennifer Coolidge really saved the day. That's right. Yeah. Eddie Murphy's one big yes. joke. Holy yes. shit, that made me <laughs> and laugh. And Kiwi speech. There you go. Give us those that's four enough. things. That's, yeah. that's all I need. Yep. That's all you need. We yep. don't need much more. We're not We're not that <laughs> demanding, are we? We are. <laughs> and I know it, and you know it too. <laughs> all right, I guess so. Anyway, the Fableman sucked. No, look. <laughs> Guys, it's always what matters most to us are your thoughts. We want to hear from you about the Gold Globes, about the SAG noms, about the DGA noms. Uh, what, what snubs, what wins, what losses are you most outraged or encouraged by? You can let us know all that as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. Leave us, as always, those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com and on reddit we are available wherever you do hear podcasts you've been listening to us on either the apple podcast or spotify app if you appreciate what we do if you would not mind leaving us a five-star review those help us out immensely thank you to everyone who has done so thus far we're, we're nearing 200 reviews by the way on apple Podcasts, which is oh, really cool. awesome yeah really cool so thank you to each and every one thank of you, you who have done so uh thus far michael uh you had the words of wisdom already you've teased what's coming next but tell the good people anyway what we're doing in the near future SAG Mania 2 with a special guest. We will discuss these SAG nominations in more detail. The PGA nominations come out, and we will discuss that 10 as well. We got the Critics' Choice Awards this Sunday night, so early next week we'll be recapping those and talking some of the rest of the Guild nominations throughout next week, whether it be in the early week show with the Critics' Choice or the Oscar nom predictions, where I am very meticulously Guild-heavy, at least uh, I've been in the past, which has helped me. I don't know if you'll join me on that front this year, Michael, being guild heavy I feel or like not. I went guild heavy last year and it screwed me. 
did it. I feel like that's what happened because I went not guilt heavy the year prior and it screwed me. <laughs> so I, I went by feel and flow. You I are you. you are I certainly beat, a better predictor. Not only did predictor. I beat you last year, I beat Feinberg last yeah, year. Yeah, you are I? you are a better predictor not only with noms but also with winners than I am. But you also play it more conservative, and I go more by the book or by well right. by the book of gambling. You're you gamble <laughs> <laughs> by the book of losing money. Right. The money losing. Right. It's book. a nice comfort spot for me. <laughs> but look, we got Oscar nom predictions, Oscar nom reactions, probably Oscar nom fallout reactions, second reactions, Sundance, Oscar preview season. It's all happening. It's crazy. And the Giants are in the playoffs. For now. For now. Well, they are. But <laughs> they, they may be out they by the time the Critics' Choice Awards start. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> Probable. Yes, probable <laughs> is, is is likely there. Uh, guys, as always, when reality sucks, you can come go through the GAs and SAG and DGA, PGA, Golden Globe, GG, everything with an acronym having to do with the Oscars with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.